This is J.G. Hertz, the General Mar Talker on Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 25 of Commentary Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And today we are going to be recapping our series on Ronald D. Moore as a showrunner, looking at his entire career and the future. So, let's get started, shall we? Nah. First up was Roswell, which Ron Moore came into during Season 2. It is a story about some teenagers who were aliens who crash-landed in Roswell back in the day, and now they're dealing with having to be teenagers while simultaneously having to be aliens and all of the complicated stuff that goes yes, on with that. that is an accurate depiction of that show, in that it sounds stupid as hell. So you're not a fan of Roswell? Uh, apparently, I, I'm the only person that didn't watch the show when it was on. Mm-hmm. But I I guess when you guys who did watch it look back at it, you know that it's dumb as hell. It's, one of, it's really, really dumb. I wouldn't say that it's dumb as hell. I would just say that it's not nearly as good as I remember it being. But like I said in the episode, I am much more uh, fond of it on a nostalgic level than on a quality level I do think that season one was really good and of course that's the season that Ron Moore was not involved with once he came on he did his job well he brought in more science fiction elements and not really more uh, continuity which is what they wanted him to do and that's fine that's just not what the show was and not what the show should have been if you ask me he he brought in he brought in more more sci-fi cliches and glowing rocks the show was pretty boring, and he just made it a little bit more stupid. So that was 2001, I believe, that, that he worked on that show, 2001, 2002, and then he moved on to Carnival in 2003, yep. which was a series on HBO, which followed a traveling carnival as it traveled through the Dust Bowl during the Great Depression, and it focuses on two characters of opposing forces who are engaging in a sort of cold war between good and evil, perhaps? Maybe. It's mostly about a bunch of weird, mysterious crap happening around a carnival and a preacher. And what are your thoughts on Carnival? I really liked the idea behind the show. I really wish that it had had more time to stick around and actually, you know tell a story i hope that uh, daniel knopf eventually gets around to you know reinventing it in some way because it seems sort of like a shame because it's such a weird and unique concept mm-hmm. that being said it's not it's not like it's not an epic thing like, when people say like what's a good tv show i don't think carnival doesn't leap to mind but if people ask me if carnival is good i would say oh yeah, yeah it was all right but like if you lose interest halfway through season one i get that carnival to me is a good show. It's an enjoyable show. I 
did lose interest when it was first on and stopped watching it after about six episodes. But for this series, I went back and watched the entire first season. And the thing that I found was uh, the more I watched it, the more I became interested in it. The raw more you became interested in it. Yeah, because I think a lot of the, the, the characters are really cool and a lot of these sort of little stories and mini arcs are what make the show and when you're approaching it from the angle of you know what's the big picture that's probably the wrong approach because you're not going to get the big picture not for a, a good long time and I think you need to enjoy the little moments in order to appreciate the series and just sort of like the texture that that adds to the overall canvas is quite good all right well one thing that we didn't really mention which we probably should have is that neither roswell nor carnival were created by ron moore he came on to roswell during season two as a way of fixing uh some some problems that the network thought the show had but that show was created essentially by jason kadams who based it off of a book series and carnival was created by daniel knopf who the studio or the network thought wasn't really experienced enough to run his own show. So uh, Moore yeah. was brought in to take the, the reins on that one. But after season one of Carnival, Moore left to do his passion project and the thing which has taken up the overwhelming majority of his career as a showrunner, and that's Battlestar Galactica. While he didn't create Battlestar Galactica, since it was a show from the 70s or 80s and and everything, he did develop it. It is his vision of that series. And it is the show which lasted the longest and the show which he ran from beginning to end. So what do you think about Battlestar Galactica? I really wish more things like that existed. I really wish more TV shows would try to do that kind of thing. And VSG was an example of a show that when I first saw the miniseries, I was really excited about the series. And when the series started airing, I was incredibly super into it. And all the way until the very end, it was the show that I would watch every day that a new episode aired. And with a lot of excitement and often anxiety, and I've seen it many times now. I've seen the entire series probably five, six times. I don't know. But it's a huge deal. And also absolutely infuriating because it's got a few little problems. And when you live with something for that long and you see those problems every single time, it's very frustrating. It's like it's like being in a hospital bed, and and the, the there's a, there's a picture on the wall that's slightly askew, and you can't move it. It just sits there, and no matter how many times you tell people, could you straighten that? They try to straighten it, and they put it a little bit differently askew. That's how infuriating BSG was. It never quite lines up perfectly. Yeah, I, I definitely don't have that problem with the show. I do think, as I said before, that it is my favorite show, um, the best show I've ever seen, at least. And it is, in a lot of ways, 
the show that I kind of always wanted Star Trek to be. Um, we get over this before. You can't say that on this. On this. <laughs> you can't say that. I mean, you I, have to cut that out. No, I mean, I, I think I think that that is kind of a legitimate thing to say. So you're saying that you wish Star Trek was BSG? No. What Just I'm, say for the record. <laughs> That you wish Star Trek had never existed, <laughs> and that Battlestar Galactica was was uh, the the thing instead. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, <laughs> what Star Trek is that is an amazing concept. Now, how about we add some continuity to it, some really heavy continuity? How about we add? Um, it was since we're dealing with such uh, adult themes on Star Trek, how about we deal with them in an adult way? Let's not pull punches for the studio or the the network. Let's not make it everything PG. Let's you know delve into uh, things like violence and sex if we're going to be talking about these subjects. Lots of times they're they're uh, unpleasant things. But regardless, Battlestar Galactica is my favorite show. And while I do see that it has some problems. What doesn't have problems? When you have four seasons and 80-plus episodes, you're going to have some problems. But on the whole, there's so much good stuff in there that uh, I can ultimately forgive those little blemishes. With the end of Battlestar Galactica, Ron Moore picked up right away and and started up a new show, a spinoff of Battlestar Galactica, which was a prequel show looking at the society which we don't see in Battlestar Galactica because it is destroyed in the very first episode. Caprica was a show which ran for one season. It was not successful. It got canceled very uh, very early on in its, its run, even though they had a bunch of more episodes in the can, and it was fraught with problems. I was not impressed by Caprica, and I was not particularly interested to watch it. <laughs> and to this day, I'm still not particularly impressed by it. I, I, I lament the the fact that when you're creating a TV show about such a bunch of weird stuff, that they made it part of the BSG universe. Uh, I would have preferred they just make an entirely new property and just see where that went. And if Caprica was not connected to BSG, I would have been much more into it. I suppose that's fair enough. I completely disagree with it, but that's okay. Um, I I like the idea of Caprica a lot. I like the idea of looking at another piece of this uh, universe and this continuity, even if it is 50 years in the past. I like the idea of seeing how the society functioned before uh, the Cylons blew it all to hell. And I like the idea of telling a story which is not the same story as Battlestar Galactica, just in a blank, you know? It's not Battlestar Galactica, the next generation, or Battlestar Voyager, or anything like that. It is its own thing. You've said that many times, and I think that you believe that's more significant than it actually is. I think that it's very significant, whether or not it's more significant than it actually is. It's not significant because... That there's there's plenty of TV shows out there about lots of different things. There's there are not a whole bunch of different sci-fi properties, and there are not a lot of different types of weird premises for shows. But there are tons of shows that are exactly that type of show. 
So no. you're saying that it's a different type of thing. While it is a different type of thing from BSG, it's a very similar type of thing to anything that's on ABC, NBC, or CBS. And I don't have a problem with it being similar to things which are on ABC, NBC, or CBS. What I what I like, what I really admire about it is that it had the guts to say, we want to tell this type of story in the Battlestar Galactica universe. And um, I wish it would have been successful because I wish they could have done more things like it. And by like it, I mean not anything like it. Right. That what you're saying? Totally insane. Okay. So at the same time that Moore was developing Caprica, he was developing another show, this one for a big network, Fox, and that show was Virtuality. Virtuality had even less success than Caprica did. It only lasted one two-hour pilot, and then it was canceled. It was co-created by Michael Taylor, and he wrote the script, and it was directed by Peter Berg, and it follows the story of a ship which is on a long mission to another galaxy where things may or may not be happening, and they are being shot for a reality show, and they are coping with this long trip by using uh, a virtual reality program for rest and relaxation. Yeah, they have the same headsets from Caprica. It, are they actually the same headsets? No, they're a little oh, bit bulkier. Okay. I imagine they're the yeah. early version. Maybe, yeah. And the virtual reality program is becoming dangerous. Thoughts on virtuality? Having recently gone through the BSG experience, watching virtuality was not a mind-blowing thing. I can tell you for a fact that if I had never seen BSG and I watched virtuality and I heard that it didn't get picked up for a full season, I would have been infuriated and incredibly angry because it it seems to have a lot of cool stuff in it and seems to be talking about a lot of interesting things. But having gone through the BSG experience, I've essentially been burned by having expectations. And I don't have big expectations when a show has some mysterious stuff in it, uh, as, and especially with Ron Moore. I, I expect a lot of positive things, but uh, I would be much more excited about a present-day, no science fiction, no horror, no fantasy elements at all show from Ron Moore than a science fiction show with mysterious stuff, because the fact is, I don't trust him with them. I don't think that he really knows how to pay them off. I think he's good with a lot of things. Uh, he's not good with big picture stuff. But if he said, I want to do a show like Breaking Bad, I would sign up. All right, yeah. I, like I said last week, I was a fan of the Virtuality pilot. I was very intrigued by the concept, and I would have definitely liked to have seen where they went with it. And uh, even if it was a case of it not being very good, I would have stuck with it for at least a year because of the people involved and uh, my, my faith in them. But now one thing which I somehow neglected to bring up last week, which I want to bring up now, is kind of the thing, it became almost a joke, uh, but the idea that this is a show which was created by two Star Trek veterans, and it is essentially Malfunctioning Holodeck, the series. It really is like the idea of that, that, that Star Trek cliche, you know, whenever we get into a bind, 
let's pull out a malfunctioning holodeck episode. Oh my god, look at that, it's crazy. This is an entire series which is built on the premise of a malfunctioning holodeck. What do you think about that? Like that's not that's not the thing. The point is that that it's it's a Philip K. Dickian kind of idea. It's an inversion of reality. It's it's we're gonna have a fictional reality, and we're gonna have the real reality, and we're gonna have another constructed reality that they perceive. We're gonna have these different cascading realities, and we're going to move them around. We're gonna invert them and show how even when you invert a reality hierarchy, it still works. And that's what they're doing. And and you have to accept sometimes that what you're going to do has some superficial similarities to something else. And saying that it's like a malfunctioning holodeck story, uh, I think that if any one of those malfunctioning holodeck stories had ever had the the sense to do that, it would have been amazing. And they did. And it was called Ship in a Bottle. And it was brilliant. Okay, fair enough. I never had a problem with it. I just thought it was more an interesting uh uh, footnote than than anything else all right well that is the stuff that ronald d moore has done as a showrunner but now let's look at what is in his future let's look at the future of canceled science fiction shows <laughs> he hasn't done anything since 2010 as far as like a show that we have seen run by ron moore on television yeah. last thing we saw was caprica now it's been three years and next year we're getting two Ron Moore shows, one of which he's maybe running and one of which he's probably not. But before we, we, we look at, at those, let's look at the one show which actually went to pilot, because it's not like he hasn't done other things. I remember he was developing a Wild Wild West show. Yes. He was developing a show about Wiki the... Wild. Yeah. He was developing a show about the Navy. Um, and In then, the Navy. Mm-hmm. And then he he developed a show called 17th Precinct. The only one which actually got a pilot was 17th Precinct. And that is a show which centers around cops at the local 17th Precinct in the fictional city of Excelsior, which is basically a alternate reality, which is like our present day, only with magic, right? Sort of instead of history being a, a gradual... Uh, step towards technological sophistication from like stone tools to computers it was a gradual magical evolution from probably a, a simple um demigod worshiping all the way up to extremely sophisticated um, um arboreal magic like weird weird evolutions of of magical abilities so it's a it's a parallel universe like there's some sort of connection between their universe and our universe because it's extremely parallel and that the same cities exist but they have different names okay so now that series um started a lot of people from Battlestar Galactica yeah. um and it, a lot of people thought that this was actually going to get made a lot of people described it as sort of like Harry Potter for adults you saw the pilot. What, what did you think about it? Well, there's, a, there's kind of a weird little weird thing where they, uh, there's a murder. There's a murder. They're cops. They're investigating a murder. And the murder was committed by somebody who shot a dude with a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just a straight up mechanical built with gunpowder and steel gun. And the twist is there are people out there that like believe in science. Which you might have never heard of, 
but it's like magic, but like, you know, not stupid. Like they actually made these things with uh, math. When they did that at the end of the episode, I thought, oh, I know why this show didn't go, go to air. Because there's, there's no way to go with this. There's, you cannot possibly go anywhere with this story without it becoming insanely stupid looking. Like the point where one guy's holding a glowing amulet and the other dude is holding a forty five caliber rifle. I mean, what what kind of show is this going to be? It's not going to... That's nuts. It's just completely nuts. There's a lot of stuff that happens in that pile of political intrigue and... Like there's, you know, there's some sort of like, uh, like, like you know, political bullying and and perhaps assassination involved, but like there's freaking wizards everywhere and everybody's using some sort of magical abilities, and it it all kind of does look silly. It like like it does you don't really ever get completely on board with the reality because like even while they're doing these crazy magical things and they have brilliant CGI to pull it off. Like, they at some point do recognize we don't really have a really solid explanation for what we're doing. Okay, fair enough. Well, let's move on to the two series which Moore has uh, coming out next year. He's an executive producer on both of these, but whether or not he's a showrunner, I don't know if you could say that. The first one comes out in January and is going to be on the Sci-Fi Channel. It's called Helix. And the series follows a team of scientists from the CDC who travel to a research facility in the Arctic to investigate a potential outbreak of disease. While there, they find themselves stuck in a life-or-death situation that could decide the fate of the future of mankind. That's from Wikipedia, by the way. This sounds to me a lot like John Carpenter's The Thing, and... That's kind of interesting because Ron Moore was someone who wrote an early draft of the Thing prequel that came out a couple of years ago. And one of the things which I found to be interesting about it, since everyone is talking about how this is the new show from Ron Moore, is when asked about the connection and whether or not he used ideas or whether or not the Thing's script that he wrote had an influence on Helix... His response was, no, it didn't, because by the time I came on to the series, it had basically already been written. He did not create it. It was created by a guy named Stephen Maida. He's a guy who um, was uh, a writer on um, Lost, I believe, and he created the show, and it sounds kind of interesting. It's a, The first season is 13 episodes. We're guaranteed to get 13 episodes because they're making them right now. And um, each episode takes place over the span of a day. So it's going to be a story which takes place over 13 days. I think that's really cool. And whether or not more is in it, it sounds like he's kind of putting his name on it and saying, you go, guys, you know, fine. You know, <laughs> I don't care. I'm still going to watch it. And, and I think it, it, it does sound interesting. We can expect to see that in January on the Sci-Fi Channel. Now, the other show, which Moore seems to be taking a much more active role in, is Outlander, which is going to be on Stars in October, and we're going to get 16 episodes of that. This is based on a book by the same name by a woman named Diana Gabaldon, and the uh, basic plot is that Outlander follows a World War II nurse named Randall, who 
travels back in time or is taken back in time to 1743, where she meets a warrior named Jamie Fraser. Yeah. Is that the actor's name or is that the the character's Dude, name? Dude, I don't know. This, okay. this show sounds insane to me. So essentially what it is is it's a time travel story where with a, a woman who's going back and forth between – I guess 1943 and 1743, you know, and, and, uh, she's married. And so there's a love triangle and there's all this stuff. A love triangle where one of them is 200 years in the future. Right. And, and it's, it's a, uh, uh, based on a, a series of books, which is apparently very popular with the ladies or so I've been told. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, uh, Moore was at the, the New York comic con this weekend uh, and he, he he did a panel along with uh, the author, uh, Gabaldon, where they were talking about the show. And um, he says that his wife was a big fan of the series, and that's who got him interested in this. And his goal, unlike with Battlestar Galactica, is to basically stay as true to the book as he can. This first season is going to be an adaptation of just the first book. So theoretically, we can get seven seasons of this, but they say that they're they're not getting ahead of themselves. What I find to be really interesting about this whole thing is that... I'm looking forward to this because this whole thing sounds incredibly boring to me. Well, I, I do think... I mean, like, I'm falling asleep and we're just talking about this show. No, I do think the premise is interesting. It, kind it, of, it does not you know, sound interesting I mean, to it, me. It, it reminds me a lot of Highlander. and You know how much I love Highlander. I know how much you love Highlander. I don't... This concept... <laughs> Whatever. I, I like the idea that, uh, you know, one of the people who has been brought on to write it and produce it is... Iris Stephen Bear. And when I was at the convention in, in Vegas, I asked Iris Stephen Bear uh, whether he was going to be running the show or whether Moore was going to be running the show. And he said that Moore was running the overall show and he, Bear, was running the writer's room. So I don't know what that means. To me, it means that Moore is taking a Rick Berman uh, role on this series, and Iris Stephen Bear is taking an Iris Stephen Bear role on this series. I, I do love uh, Bear's sort of lack of um, reverence for anything. And, like, in talking about the show, he's like, Outlander. It's a new show that I'm working on. It's based on a series of books, which I'd never heard of and haven't read. He's like, I'm, I'm in L.A., running the writer's room while Moore is off in Scotland, you know, tr- trying to figure out how to make this thing, and, you know, that's what we're doing. Yeah, when I first heard about this, I thought, that sounds like a backwards arrangement. hmm And now I've thought, wait, is that backwards? Is that the way it should be? And And that made me realize that I'm not sure what's wrong with both of these guys. There's something wrong. But I'm not sure which one has the missing pieces and where they are. Because I'm not sure if this arrangement will will complement everything or if it will exacerbate existing problems. Uh, maybe the missing pieces are back in 1743. I don't know. I don't see any problem with this. You hear anything. I don't – like someone says Ron Moore and Iris Stephen Bear are teaming up to make a TV show. 
I'm like, awesome. When is it on? I don't care what it's about. I don't care what it's based on. I don't care if it's science fiction or if it's drama or if it's softcore porn or anything. I am there. I am watching that show when it airs. So I am totally on board with this. There is no show that I am looking forward to more than Outlander. I cannot wait. Okay. When you say it's a love triangle across 200 years, the first thought that pops into my head is maybe they should break up. Regardless, that's what Ron Moore has on his plate for the foreseeable future. So we've looked at all of his shows and all of his future shows. And do you have any final thoughts on Ronald D. Moore? I have, you know, he's he's sort of a strange figure because while I have a lot of um, a lot of respect for a lot of the things he's done, I'm also just infuriated and 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 um, really really frustrated by things. It's primarily because he does so many things well uh, that the problems are made worse. Whereas if I was watching another show that had the exact same problems, I probably wouldn't be so bothered by it because if they fixed those problems, it wouldn't make the show much better. Okay. Whereas with Ron Moore's stuff, you fix those problems, the shows become amazing crystalline perfection. Well, for me, um, like I've said before, I think that Ron Moore is the best creator to come out of Star Trek as a franchise. I think that Battlestar Galactica is the best show I've ever seen. And looking at the rest of his career as a showrunner, there aren't any shows here that I don't like. Um, some are better than others for sure. But all of them are good, and I am very much looking forward to seeing what he has up his sleeve next. I kind of am frustrated by how many shows he has tried to develop that haven't gotten off the ground, because what that means is we've been without any more for five years, or four years, and that's, that's frustrating to me, because if I were a TV exec, I would give him money to do whatever he wanted to do just because I would want to see what he would come up with. But perhaps Outlander will take off and we will see a good seven years of Ron Moore goodness um, on stars. All right. Well, it has been fun talking about Ron Moore, but this is just one of the topics that we've been talking about on Trek.fm this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, The Orb. Looking for Parlock in all the wrong places. Well, and you also get the feeling here that she's only... Re- I mean, Worf really is only being rejected because she's not interested. It has nothing to do with whether or not Worf is Klingon enough or any of that. She's just not interested. She's interested in Quark. Earl Grey. The Holodeck. Alexander Rojinko was conceived... On the holiday. <laughs> That's exactly right. In Worf's Calisthenics program with Skeletor watching because he was just frozen there and he couldn't look away. The ready room. The man trap. Well, it wasn't what Roddenberry wanted to do with it. It was what uh, the, the writer George Clayton Johnson wanted to do with it. But it was basically making the character more sympathetic. To the journey! The doctor. But I love that moment when Chakotay like, uh, was projecting himself into the room. And, like, he, he totally, like, kneels down and gets super serious and calm like Chakotay does. He's like, he's like, what you've shown us is it's not what you're made of, but what you do or how you feel. You know, like, <laughs> he just started getting, like, 
and like even in like season two they start to realize the doctor is not just a hologram he is becoming something more commentary trek stars prequels are sort of uh, a constant trap that people end up going to you know the, this thing was successful uh and it ended well let's go before it ended and tell a different story warp five Klingons on Enterprise. Having the Klingons at the very beginning of the series running through that field, do you think that was born out of the discomfort that the studio had in the idea of the prequel series to begin with? Trek news and views. The Naked Time. Gold shirts are easily ripped and disposable. Yeah. Blue shirts self-replicate so that they you know show no damage. And red shirts whisk away sweat. Yeah, yeah, they're highly absorbent. There you go. So that you can't tell that your security awesome. guards are nervous. Literary treks. David R. George III, Revelation and Dust. And it feels like an evolution for Starfleet as well in the way that they built a star base. Well, I'm glad that came across because that was sort of one of the things that I was going for. You wanted it to be an evolution in Starfleet's construction of star bases. Mm-hmm. It should be something brand new. And because it's an important station... Because it's in an important location, it, it really needed to be, I thought, uh, a grand station. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files directly from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all of the links. Well, that's it for Ronald D. Moore. It's been fun, and we are moving on. Next week is our big second season finale, which will be the first part in a two-part series where we look at Mark Cushman's These Are the Voyages. But this one is going to be special, because it's not just going to be us giving our lame opinions about These Are the Voyages. We are going to be talking to not only Mark Cushman, who is the author of These Are the Voyages, and the writer of Next Generation's Sarek. We are also going to be talking to John D.F. Black and Mary Black. John D.F. Black was a producer on Star Trek, the original series, and his wife was his assistant. So these people were there. So, so in addition to looking at Mark's amazing book about the making of the original series, we will be getting a first-hand account from the people who were making that show. So you can look for that right here next week. <laughs>